0: Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus, and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week?
1: My fantasy grievance this week is one Emmanuel Nehemiah Sanders. <laughs> yes, I middle-named him, because let me tell you something. The guy has averaged 13 half PPR points per game from in weeks one through six. Zero in week eight. He averaged four receptions <laughs> per game in weeks one through six. Zero in week eight. I finally decided to put him in my lineup after six weeks of not putting him in my lineup and he got a, a not even a goose egg a massive ostrich egg so i am really <laughs> mad at sanders and he is my festivist player of the week yeah how
0: dare he how dare he ostrich egg uh jen and all other fantasy managers who started him this week i'm with you uh now let's get to the show Welcome, everyone, to The Most Accurate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles, with me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Aikens and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing all right. I uh, can't complain too much. I mean, after a, another chaotic week of football, but, I mean, it's been it's been pretty good. Uh, I'm hoping to see some good action on the Monday night game going on right now as we're recording. But on that, I'm doing all right. Uh, Jen, outside of being mad at uh, football players for them not producing well for you, how are you doing today?
1: i'm doing good uh, i'm I'm doing well despite uh eating my weight in reese's and york peppermint patties and the like in the, over the weekend <laughs> yeah. um, i am doing well uh you know i mean look it's no surprise that i ate a ton of halloween candy because i do it every year at this time but we did have surprises uh, in week eight in the nfl and fantasy world so chris why don't you get into what our surprises were
2: Oh, yeah. So the first surprise that I had was actually the the, not the fact that the Eagles beat Detroit, but just how they did it. Because I know at least for me personally, I have Jalen Hurts on a couple of teams. I even rostered him in DFS in my he was my cash game quarterback for this week as well. And to see the Eagles win in such a I mean, such a great fashion, like, don't get me wrong. But every time I got the update saying that oh the Eagles scored all right, so that means that must be Jalen Hurts' number all right. They scored a rushing touchdown all right, so that should also mean that Jalen Hurts like got me some points. But to see him get passed by not once, not twice, not three times, four rushing touchdowns, not a single one going to Jalen Hurts, only 14 passing attempts. I mean, I I, I just I, I couldn't believe the the box score I even had to go back and watch like uh, parts of these parts of that game since I was watching the Cincinnati game which sent me to a whole other level of tilt but just to see that game and how it resulted I, I just don't know what to think about Jalen Hurts as, as of right now after just this one blip but a major blip on what we thought was going to be a productive fantasy season for Jalen Hurts I mean Jen did you see this coming?
1: No, and I like you have Jalen Hurts in a couple teams, and you know it's so frustrating. The Eagles scored forty-four points, and Jalen Hurts really didn't have a hand in, in much. I mean, he had one hundred and three passing yards and seventy-one rushing yards and zero TDs. So um, it was super frustrating as as a you know manager that that has Jalen Hurts. It was super frustrating, you know. Yeah, I mean it's hard because you sit here week after week, and and you get the people out there that are comparing him, you know, to other other football players of the same, you know, draft class and all of that. And, you know, he doesn't get a lot of respect. And I feel like he was finally getting to the point that he was. And then that was just a rough game um, from a fantasy perspective. I mean, as an Eagle fan, I'm sure that's great. They won, they won. But uh, yeah, I did not see that coming. It was a little a little frustrating.
2: Yeah. And I mean, Brandon, for you, I mean, are you now looking at this Eagles offense, I mean, completely differently, what they subtract Miles Sanders I mean, they're they're what we thought to be their R b one, but they lean even more into their running game. So are you now really looking at Boston Scott as a regular week fill-in? Jordan Howard also getting put into the mix? I mean, Kenny Gainwell apparently is an afterthought for the most part. but I mean, are are you now just more interested in the Philadelphia's like running game than any of the passing weapons?
0: I, uh, I feel like I have some sort of, like, issues because every time I think about this Philly game, I start one way and I end a different way. So I started with, nah, I don't really trust Boston Scott. I've never trusted Boston Scott. He's a good player, but he just never seems to have a consistent role. So uh, even when he has chances, I feel like he's kind of like my Damian Williams. Like, whatever I expect him to do well, he doesn't. He only does well when I'm not expecting it. So uh, I, I kind of do that, but then I look and I'm like, he was there early down back. He was there before the game got out of hand. So uh, I I probably am buying Boston Scott, maybe a little bit of Jordan Howard because he's been productive there in Philly before, if I have to. Uh, But the big guy that disappointed me was Kenny Gainwell because I thought he would have a big role. He had eight targets and five carries the week before, and that's with Miles Sanders playing for part of the game. He's been getting targets regularly in the passing game all season. I was really thinking that Gainwell would play a big role. I... Ended that game going, well, Gainwell's worthless because all he got was 13 garbage time carries. But I think where I'm going to land is that this game was against the Lions and the Eagles offense thumped them. And I think that it's a complete anomaly from what we're going to see from Philly most of the season. I think most of the time we're going to see Philly trailing. We're going to see Jalen Hart's getting those Blake Bortles garbage time stats, which he's been really good at this year. And we're going to see Kenny Gainwell get four, five, six, seven targets a game because – they aren't going to be just thumping the other team every single time where they get to run the ball that much. So that's what I'm taking from this game is that there's nothing to take from this game.
2: <laughs> that's I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case and it is just a blip on the radar. We can get back to Jalen Hurts. Like while he did actually produce – the way that he typically does, like Jen was saying, what, 71 yards on the ground. And that's great because without it, we probably would have been sitting there left holding the bag on what, like three, four points since he only had just barely above 100 passing yards. So at least he didn't completely kill us. From a fantasy perspective, but definitely didn't reach the typical heights that he had as a QB one. I think he had he was like the only QB to have 20 plus fantasy points in all of his starts so far this season. So, yeah, kind of a massive swing from what we had seen so far to start the season uh, in a bad way. But I guess moving on to my second surprise this week is a a positive uh, positive swing for Michael Carter. Uh, now, I was watching that game live because everybody knows I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. And I will say that uh, the Bengals had just like no answer. I, I know that the, even after the during the press conferences, like they had been, a few folks had been asking the players, like, did you overlook the Jets? And the response is just the typical response that players give. And but I, just watching that game, there's just no way that I can look at how. The Bengals like played on defense and even just that offense as well. It's just they didn't have any answers for Mike White, which is hilarious to think about in retrospect. I mean, a guy that nobody really thought about prior to the game. But to see Michael Carter's involvement, what, nine targets the week beforehand, 14 targets yesterday on like during that game. I mean, now he is, at least for right now, since we're recording this during the Monday night game, I think he was sitting at the RB1 overall spot like four week eight. Uh, I mean, Jen, I mean, how are you approaching like this, uh, The what this potentially good or at least fantasy productive backfield in New Jersey, uh, in New York? I mean, is this something that you're buying moving forward?
1: Yeah. I mean, right now, Tevin Coleman is out. And so Michael Carter is the guy he's, you know, you mentioned he, I think he's RB one right now in week eight. He's actually RB two in the last two weeks, week seven and eight, he's sitting at 40.1 half PPR points he's averaged 21 and a half touches per game in the last two games. So, you know, if I would think that, you know, why would they not go with what's been working over the last couple weeks? So I would think he's going to continue that usage. And as long as, you know, Tevin Coleman is out, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be out. I know Ty Johnson has gotten a little bit of work here and there, but, you know, Michael Carter seems to be the guy there. And I feel like, you know, I mean, I think that, he, I'm not sure what his roster numbers are right now, uh, but, you know, he might still be out there in some leagues. And, you know, I would think that they'd continue to ride that hot hand. And we may have actually, you know, have, have a, new, a new running back, you know, in, in the league to count on for fantasy purposes, because we all know with bye weeks and injuries, it's slim Pickens out there.
2: Exactly. And so, I mean, Brandon, for you, I mean, we're looking at a touch share for Michael Carter, about 60% a few weeks ago, 63% last week, and now all the way up to 70.6% in week eight. We just talked about the target share. I mean, the production from a fantasy perspective has obviously been there with him being the RB2, as Jen was saying, over the past couple of weeks. I mean, are you buying or are you thinking this is more, let's say, uh, you know, induced by the defenses that they've come across with New England? really not being at least as dominant as we expect them to be or at least putting uh, New York in a like at least negative game scripts requiring them to pass against them. They got Indy next week, Buffalo the week after that. Doesn't really seem like there's going to be at least more situations where we'd see less of Carter. So are you buying at this point? I am.
0: I'm definitely buying at this point. I, You know, 15 carries, 9 catches. The big thing, those 14 targets, like led the team, 14 targets. Mike White's going to start at least next week and probably a couple weeks uh, while Zach Wilson gets better. If I'm the Jets, I'm probably not rushing Zach Wilson back. He's considered the franchise going to go forward. Uh, I'm definitely buying him. And, you know, if there's one thing that I think listeners know, it's that I'm, I'm against Merck. No Merck. I'm anti-Merck. And the Jets have been murk all year going into the season. I mean, we like Ty Johnson. We like Michael Carter. We like Tevin Coleman. Whatever the case may be, I'm out here on the Michael Piran Island. But uh, Michael <laughs> Carter, clearly good player. Uh, I g- let me get rid of all those other Jets running backs. Let me stop thinking about them and just put Michael Carter down. And I think he's the one to go. Also, if I'm the Saints, I trade for Joe Flacco today uh, because Joe Flacco showed up and Mike White immediately blew up. So I the Saints trade for Joe Flacco and then Trevor Simeon will blow up. That's how I'm taking this.
2: Yeah, oh, OK, I, I, I can see that. I mean, it, we'll, we'll see like I, I mean, it sucks with the whole Jameis Winston news and all that. And that's actually one thing we probably should get to at some point. But either way, uh, with Michael Carter, with his usage like so far, I think it is also I think while Michael Carter is probably the big name that everyone is probably going to try and see if they can pick up this week. Honestly like don't forget about Ty Johnson. I mean from an opportunity cost standpoint, Ty Johnson who is essentially free in almost every draft this offseason, also having quietly a productive season as well. I mean also involved in the passing game. So between Carter and Johnson and we haven't really, we didn't even talk about like the wide receivers there uh, in New York. I mean possibly fantasy friendly offense for the Jets, which is something we haven't said about them in however many years. So positive takeaway from, uh, for them. Another positive takeaway, which is my third surprise for this week. Uh, not really a surprise because we've seen him do it a few times already, but Michael Pittman, man, I mean, what was it? Uh, not this past week, but the week prior, Uh, playing in the rain against San Francisco we saw him completely sky over a couple of players in order to get to over 100 yards against San Francisco that was two weeks ago this week while he didn't get over 100 yards I mean showed up big in the red zone for two touchdowns had a number of big catches uh, when they were trying to at least uh, you know keep up with Tennessee even though Carson Wentz was just determined to give the ball back over to the titans by the way 15 targets i mean a season high for him i mean just seeing him now really assert himself as the wide receiver one for indianapolis has got to be a positive thing for everybody expecting to have that uh sophomore season breakout i mean all good things looking like so far despite being tied to carson wentz but either way i mean jen i mean are you at least expecting to see more of this for michael pittman moving forward
1: I hope so. You know, I'm not a big Carson Wentz truster. So it's tough for me to think that that's, you know, that Pittman may be in that wide receiver one conversation every week, because I just don't know that Carson can do it when, you know, he showed us this past week when, when the going gets tough, he doesn't exactly come through. So um, you know, I, I, it, it's great to see from a, you know, regular NFL perspective. I know last year when Michael Pittman came in, we were we were all excited about it. And so I'm excited to see him kind of break out in his sophomore year. I don't know if we can count on this production the entire season. Um, it would be nice if, if you know, if, if it does happen. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I think that um, I forgot what I was going to say. But, yes, um, exciting, but I don't trust it.
2: Yeah and I think that's the that's the that's the key takeaway at least for me because two touchdowns without getting over 100 yards. I mean that would it, that would probably make anybody kind of t- you know give a side eye to that, but 15 targets, I mean led the team in uh, led the team in targets. So I mean we're seeing that continue production. I mean the only other really uh player quote unquote that's been producing for Indianapolis outside of Ma- Michael Pittman have been those long defensive uh pass interference penalties that they've been getting every single <laughs> week it feels like. <laughs> it feels like the referees have been like the next like the second best offensive weapon. You know, for the Colts so far. I mean, but Brandon. I mean, looking at Pittman, looking at who he's playing against in terms of competition for targets, we can't really rely on Ty Hilton, Zach Pascal. Really, only until you get into the red zone. So outside of Pittman, it's really him and not too many other folks. If you're unless you're really invested in molly Cox. So I mean, are are you buying this uh, this performance from Pittman and like the rest of his season outlook? I mean, they've got the Jets this week on Thursday night. Jacksonville the week afterwards. So at least a decent short-term schedule. Are you buying?
0: I'm buying him as a a red zone target, as like a a flex play, uh, a matchup dependent guy. Uh, But where I want him is in a game where the Colts are going to throw the ball 35 times because I think that that's going to be the best benefit for him. He's going to get a touchdown now and again. I mean, it, clearly Wentz is looking for him in the red zone, but the Colts, they want to run Jonathan Taylor and they want to throw the ball 25 times a game. That's what they want to do. So those 15 targets, I would eye with a grain of salt. I, I think that the defense is good enough to where they're not going to be in a whole lot of shootouts. I think they want to win games scoring in the you know high teens, early 20s. I think that's what, what, how they want to win uh, or they want to run run the ball that's what they want to do so uh, a little bit of mistrust in the targets but he's definitely performing much better than I thought he would I've actually never been a Pittman believer so if I see this team getting into more shootouts and throwing the ball a little bit more I'm going to be more interested in elevating him to that wide receiver two realm but right now he's my flex he's my uh, matchup dependent guy bi-week filler that's how I'm looking at him based mostly on touchdown potential
2: yeah, and I think that makes sense because if we're looking at even outside of the Carson Wentz, uh, let's say just the, the risk associated with investing in a Carson Wentz led offense. I mean, the Colts have been at least at the very least league average in terms of neutral passing rate towards the back end of the league in terms of pass rate over expectation. I mean, this is an offense that is typically that has run through Jonathan Taylor, and we've seen that just expanded role for him so far. So if this is more of a run first offense while seeing Pittman get most of the targets, it's not like this is going to be an every week thing. I mean, even if you just, again, casually look at his box score, we've got more games of him having like three, four, five targets than what the, almost the equal amount of three, four, five targets than these double digit target shares that he's had over the past, like, you know, this week and towards the early parts of the season. So without really knowing like what the Colts identity is going to be like moving forward especially after Wentz had yet another game like where he's thrown a couple of interceptions. It's just hard for us to see more volume or at least an increased volume for that entire Colts offense. So I get it. I mean, spicy pickup. I mean, I'm hoping that it winds up being the same. Like, uh, you know, his workload continues to increase over the rest of the season. But I mean, with with Carson Wentz in the backfield, who, who knows? But all right, so moving on, I mean, Brandon, we talked about some of our surprises. Can you tell the folks right now about some surprises or a way to spice up some of their football season for the rest of the year?
0: Listeners, let me tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their brand new Pick 'Em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player's stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players and win you some cold, hard cash. First-time depositors should head to 4for4.com underdog, claim your free 4for4 Pro subscription, and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. All right, let's do the uh, Buy or Sell segment. Uh, Chris, Jed, we had some big injuries this week, and we're going to get to that. Uh, None bigger and none more impactful and uh, honestly sad for me uh, than Derrick Henry, who's out indefinitely, had some surgery on his foot. Uh, They expect possibly the entire season, but right now they they haven't committed to that time frame. Uh, Titans signed Adrian Peterson to their practice squad, uh, worked him out and signed him in about 13 seconds. So uh, clearly they they decided that was the way to go. Jeremy McNichols has filled in. Darrington Evans is hurt as well. Uh, Jen, let's start with you. Uh, the Titans running back situation. Go.
1: Go. Um, yeah, really sad about Derrick Henry. It's a bummer for football. It's a bummer for the Titans. Um, listen, I mean, Adrian Peterson is what, 37, 38? I- I'm not really sure, but he's old uh, in football years, of course. And, you know, McNichols is, is the passing down back and Evans is hurt. So I feel like well, you know, people are excited to to run to the waiver wire and pick up these guys. You know, they're not Derrick Henry, and they're not going to be Derrick Henry. And I think that they actually have a tough couple of weeks ahead too. They have, they've got the Rams and then the Saints, which is not going to be easy. Uh, you know, on the, from a run perspective. So I feel like you know, for Peterson, we're looking at maybe R you know low RB two to RB three numbers. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect anything more than that. And I think McNichols, like I said earlier, he, he's going to be coming in on passing down. So I don't know that he's someone that um, to covet on the waiver wire unless you're truly desperate and in need of bodies, which we all are. So I mean, as long as you keep it in perspective that that's what you're looking at, I think, you know, both of them are fine for it to pick up. I, that
0: makes sense to me, Uh, Chris, I wanted to ask you kind of about how this affects the Tennessee Titans offense in general, because uh, Ryan Tannehill, you know, the play action's been big for him and the threat of Derrick Henry has been big for him, Uh, Been able to make deep plays. Uh, Obviously we're interested in the usage to see if uh, there's more pass attempts, uh, more passing during neutral game script, Uh, very interested in all that stuff, but also can he be as efficient without the threat of Henry back there?
2: Oh yeah. I still think so adrian peterson like while he might not still be the fastest runner out there on the field might not be the most powerful runner out there on the field but even when he was still playing for the lions it still looked like he has some of that juice still left in his legs, some of that power still left in his shoulders in order to like bang through for a few yards we needed so and with as much experience and with as much like just running back knowledge that he has i think that he can at least provide enough of a threat like you're mentioning to linebackers and anybody that wants to try and sneak down in order to like play the like to play the pass or to play the run rather when Tannehill tries to set up for this play action moves that I think that they'll be okay. Now will it be as like as uh efficient? Will it be as effective? Obviously not. You're talking about a, a Hall of Fame running back that's you know basically like he, I think he's literally my age at this point. You know going like as compared to Derrick Henry like a literal superhero, but. I still think that there's enough there that they can like, at least work in between Adrian Peterson with Jeremy McNichols also factoring in as a pass catcher. It might take a couple of weeks in order for them to get into some sort of rhythm, adjusting to life without Derrick Henry. But I think overall, if we look out over the course of this, the rest of the season, or at least what, is, what are they saying, at least eight weeks that he's going to be gone, so if we're looking at over the rest of the regular season, I do think that they're, they can at least find some sort of norm to find within the Titans' offense.
0: Yeah, let's, uh, let's stick with uh, running backs here. I want to talk also about James Robinson, uh, that situation there for the Jags. Robinson went out injured. Sounds like he dodged a serious injury. We'll watch that situation as it goes forward. If he misses any time, Carlos Hyde came in, had eight targets in that offense. Are you interested in Hyde as a short-term option somebody you can kind of pick up under the radar if Robinson misses time Chris I don't think
2: you have much of a choice not to at least be interested in trying to pick him up at this point I mean heck we were talking about having to play Dearness Johnson you know on that Thursday night game not just a couple of weeks ago and nobody really knew who he was so even though that the Jacksonville Jaguars, they themselves are towards the back in the league in terms of, like, yards, yards per drive, I mean, scoring points, I mean, heck, they were barely able to move the ball against the Seahawks, who have typically yeah. been an enticing matchup. So it's just... It's not the best, but if but especially at this point with however many injuries that we've had to deal with at the position over the past three to four weeks, it would make sense for you to at least put in a bid for him, see if you can pick him up, and then at this point it's more he's more of just a matchup based starter, but you might be forced into doing so just based off of your lineup.
0: I, that, yeah, that's Seattle. just ugly ugly jaguars offense in that yeah. game um i one day we're gonna do like a whole episode on LaVisca viscous because the i'm just gonna name him the just, enigma just like he's pour just one be out the enigma him, yeah right
2: <laughs> i just i don't understand the usage for him because he can't he went from i mean urban meyer was talking about said they wanted tony they wanted uh who else did they wanted tony for that slasher type role. They wind up getting ETN in order to basically do the same thing, even though Visca could do the exact same stuff that he's talking about. And they, now afterwards with the injury to DJ Chark, it's LaViska that gets moved out to the outside to work opposite of Marvin Jones, even though Visca could work as just as well easily on the inside. And now it's Jamal Agnew taking the slot position. I don't know what to think about that entire offense. Yeah, is what's just, happening? What is I, happening? It's Urban Meyer. That's what's happening. <laughs> it's <Yep.
1: Urban> Meyer. <laughs> I will say that uh, LaVisca has now made my dead weight report for the second time this season. That'll be oh. out tomorrow morning. Yeah, he's there. He's absolutely Rest in there. peace. Oh. RIP. I can't, I can't do it. Listen, I, as someone that actually has him, and I know all of you out there that have him as well, it's just you got to get rid of it. Like, it's just the nightmare every week. Like, it, you'll just feel so much better. This huge weight lifted off. Just let him go. <laughs> I mean, sure, you'll pick up someone else that'll drive you crazy, but at least that part, LaVisca, it's enough already. I it, mean, it, it's Urban Meyer, and we shouldn't know. We, you know, look, we talked about it in all the different podcasts heading into the season. You know, Urban Meyer, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna destroy this whole thing? And you know what? What we kind of thought was gonna happen is happening, or at least what I thought was going to happen is happening. Um, it, you know, it's frustrating. And, you know, I know you didn't ask me about Carlos Hyde, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I can't, yeah. I can't, I just can't do it. You know, you can't. I mean, I can't. And I know that, you know, a lot of people are desperate out there for, for bodies to put in that, RB, you know, that RB2 slot or their flex spot. And I get it, but I just can't buy into Carlos Hyde again, especially not on that team.
0: Nope. It does seem like it's been a lot of us like hoping for Carlos Hyde to do it, although he's he's produced at times and bits. But let's yeah. uh, let's let's go over. I wanted to ask you about a tight end because uh, I keep watching Pat Fryermuth uh, get targets, and I, he's not great. Like he's not you know blowing up the world or anything like that. But I, I gotta tell you, Jen, I, I can't find a tight end to start anywhere. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> Every time I start somebody, they stink. It doesn't even matter who it is. I got Higby; he sucks. I got Uzoma in the wrong weeks. It doesn't matter what happens; it doesn't work. I, I I'm I'm kind of ready to just put Fra- Pat Fryerbooth in there, and I kind of need your approval, so that's what I'm seeking, Jen.
1: Uh, you 100 percent have my approval because you're absolutely yes. correct. They all suck. Um, I, I I mean, even Dalton Schultz sucked this week. He scored like two points, and he I did. had him in, in, in one of my lineups. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing happening at tight end. They're all awful uh Friermuth is as good as any of them at this point and you've got you know roethlisberger it's no secret right his arm's not great so why not dump him off to firemuth all day long like you said he has 14 targets over the last couple games he got in last week i mean why not i'm sure let's do it fire let's him up do it.
0: i want to do this <laughs> <laughs> uh chris i want to talk to you uh quarterbacks We talked about Mike White, so I'm going to skip Mike White um, because we talked about him. We know he's a short-term guy. The Jets offense, not super exciting. Um, But I want to talk to you about the Saints because Jameis Winston, we've lost for the season. Uh, Taysom Hill... Like supposedly is, is close to clearing protocol I think and maybe active for week nine if not week nine supposed to be active soon Trevor Simeon came in and took over uh either of those guys interesting to you I I know how I feel about it but I I want to get your take since you're my streaming quarterback guy
2: so I would say that the process was probably lead us to streaming any like whomever winds up starting a quarterback for the Saints like moving forward. If it is going to be essentially Simeon is the quote unquote starter with Taysom Hill being worked in as they need to. OK, fine, because if I am remembering correctly, a report came out earlier that Sean Payton had indicated that they're not going to be looking external to bring in a quarterback to replace Seamus Winston. So they basically already shut the door on Cam Newton or anybody else that might be hanging out there. So, all right, well, that's fine. If we know who the quarterbacks are going to be moving forward, Uh, looking at their schedule, what they play, Atlanta next week, Tennessee the week after, philadelphia the week after that so three decent matchups from from a quarterback perspective but this is also a team that sits towards the back end of the league in terms of neutral passing rate and also pass rate over expectations so the volume hasn't been there we were talking about Jameis winston really not being all that great in terms of a you know passer not from an efficiency standpoint from just the volume it just hasn't been there I mean, we were talking, what, 20 pass attempts or 22 pass attempts for the first, like, three to four weeks of the season. Didn't really open it up until the past couple of weeks, so now we're really expecting Trevor Simeon to just waltz right in there and do the same thing. I I just can't see it. So while it might be from a process perspective that we would want to start those guys, it just doesn't really make a ton of sense until we actually see what that offense looks like. I mean, we don't even know if we're going to get Michael Thomas back, so it's just... I would just rather wait a week, look at some of the other typical streamers that most folks will be talking about, including myself, like Tua, which we'll probably get to here in a little bit. But there are some other streamers I feel a bit more confident about, and we can look at the Saints offense after Jameis Winston. You know, we'll give it a week, and we'll see what we got.
0: Yeah, yeah. In one quarterback leagues, it's it's tough. You know, it's almost like there's so many streaming options. You have to pick the best one. It's yeah. the opposite of the tight end problem. Uh, Jen, any interest in Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon if they uh, get named, yes, you're the starter?
1: Probably not. I mean, I live in Denver. I lived through the Trevor Simeon era. Uh, I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't imagine deciding to plug him in my lineup on purpose. So no, no interest here.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, I was going to do, uh, <laughs> let's quickly do a trade wish list. Uh, we don't really have time. And I said I was going to cut it, but I, I want to hear him anyway. Uh, just real quickly, one liner, my trade wish list. If I could have anything happen, I want Matt Ryan to go to Washington. I want Terry McLaurin to catch all those balls from Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan to be on a more competitive team, which I think Washington would be with Matt Ryan. Jen, what's your trade wish list, uh, the trade you want to see happen?
1: My trade uh, would be Melvin Gordon to Tennessee. I would love to see uh, Javante Williams free, free to run all over the place in Denver. Unmerk, unmerk. Uh, I love it. Yes. Yes. Get rid of the merk. Send Melvin would be very, you know, would be a very welcome sight, I'm sure, to the Titans and uh, their fans, and in Denver, uh, for the rest of us who drafted Javante Williams as a rookie, excited about him, free him and and free the Merc.
0: Excellent, free Merc, no more Merc. Chris, what's your uh, ideal trade? What what one do you want to see happen?
2: All right, so I've got two, and they're uh, both to the same team. And since the one of them, the the team that they're going to be trading to is uh, is playing tonight, but um. Here's one that I know will never work, but uh, Michael Gallup to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think that that one would Ooh, be. I love just, that. I, I would that's absolutely awesome. love love to see that, and just to see him, just see Patrick Mahomes have a perimeter outside receiver with some speed, take some of the heat off of the the guys that are going to be running those intermediate routes, like you know Hill, Kelsey, so on and so forth. Like that's that's what they need, but that's probably. That, that's probably not possible, but if we want to find even like a light version of Gallup that can run on the outside has speed has hands. What about James Washington from the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like he's Ooh, I been like just, too. he's been completely like, well not completely phased out of the offense, but when everybody's been healthy, he's been the guy that's been kind of left out in the cold and like Ben Roethlisberger, he's not taking deep shots anyway. I mean, even this past week, I mean, what? No, no juju, no Ebron, and yet everybody's talking about Pratt Fire move. And so, like, we're not really seeing a lot of work for for guys like him. So why not, you know, move him over to a team that actually could use? I mean, that actually one passes just as much as the Steelers do, but two also passes downfield since Patrick Mahomes still has the arm to do it. So I like I would love to see them make that sort of move, but I'm not really sure. I'd like the contract moves and all that, I wouldn't know if that would work out or not. But I would love to see them acquire guys like Gallup, Washington, that could work on the outside and allow them to scheme more towards the interior with their guys like Hill, Kelsey, those types of dudes.
0: I love it. Would also like to see Hardman just play in the slot. I like that, too. So that works great. Uh, Let's quickly looking ahead segment, and then we'll close out. Uh, My looking ahead, uh, Chris alluded to Tua as a nice uh, streaming option uh, moving forward. And and next week specifically, I'm going to echo that. Uh, Tua and Jalen Waddle against the Texans. The Texans, only Detroit is allowing more points per game than the Texans this year defensively uh Tua and Jalen Waddle looking like they've got a nice connection Waddle leads the team in targets I think that uh those two are going to be a nice little stacking option if you can get them anywhere whatever format whatever type of fantasy you play Jen what's your uh, looking ahead
1: well uh, this week's looking ahead for me is Logan Thomas he uh he has been on IR and uh or he's been out I'm not sure if he's actually on IR. um but he, uh, yeah, and so the, the, the football team is off this week, and then they're back for Week 10. And his, his roster ship dropped to, like, right around 50% uh, once Logan Thomas did get injured. So he is around for certain leagues. And uh, I feel like, yeah, I mean, people are kind of forgetting about him because Ricky Stills-Jones did a decent job filling in. But once again, Brandon, we were talking about tight ends being, you know, awful. Logan Thomas, <laughs> if he's out there, grab him. He'll be back in Week 10.
0: Excellent. Go get Logan Thomas if he's sitting there. Chris, what's your looking ahead?
2: Well, since we talked about Tua earlier, I'll throw out another quarterback that I'm thinking about as of right now. So um, Mike White, even though it pains me to say it, it didn't look bad. I know, like, I'm not expecting him, for him to drop another 400 yards like uh, since they play on Thursday night, but they were, like, ninth in pass rate over expectation on Week 8 alone, and it really wasn't one of those games where it's like, you know, they were – They had to play in order to keep up with the Bengals, but they were mounting a number of drives in order to stay competitive in that game. It's not like, again, it's from a game context, situational type of perspective. It's not like they were getting boat raced and had to come from behind like Davis Mills did just this past week against the Rams. Everything that he was throwing, he was being able to connect. Actually I thought to me personally, when I saw his throw to Keelan Cole in the end zone, I thought that was a touchdown. He should have come down with that. So I think there's enough there that with you know he's he's guaranteed to start on Thursday. Salah already seemed like fairly confident or at least excited about his prospects moving forward. Don't know what that means for the Zach Wilson thing, but at least this week I believe they play the Colts on Thursday night, another defense that can be had. I think the situation sets up well enough that while we might be playing with fire a little bit, starting a jets, uh, you know, jets quarterback, he's at least in the consideration for, for our purposes for, uh, for this week.
0: You talk me into it. You talk me into it. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm Mike white, my guy this week. Chris, it's 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 all on you. It's all the pressure's <laughs> on
2: you. <laughs> I hope that's not the case, but it should be on Mike White, but yeah, I get it.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.